Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I am still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Megan Beers. Megan was a marketing coordinator turned actor. She and I met in an online acting class, as I seem to meet a lot of people these days. I, of course, did the natural thing in an online acting class. Come on, you all know you do this, too. I found everybody on Instagram. Found Megan got in touch with her and liked all her photos. She does a lot of cool outdoorsy stuff like rock climbing and stuff like that, which I really love, and learned that she has a wonderful first act to second act acting story. Again, from a career in marketing, now into acting. She also has a really interesting life story as well, too, from acting in Toronto and acting in Los Angeles, just making a lot of really big life and career decisions that I think you're really going to enjoy I hope you enjoy hearing this wonderful story from an incredible, incredible human being and a very talented actress, Megan Beers. Was it terrifying to do that, like to move out there? I think it was helpful because I went for a marketing job rather than going out there kind of on a whim. <laughs> so yeah. I had a little bit of stability going for me, which was nice. Mm -hmm. um, but I went with the hopes of being able to transfer my real job into more acting jobs like right away. I looked for acting studios like the first week that I got out there and I told my, my, told my boss when I got out there, I was like, just so you know, from 6 PM to 9 PM, you won't be able to reach me and I'm going to dip work <laughs> at 4:30 on Thursdays so I can go and take these acting classes. And luckily they knew what they were hiring. Cause I told them that I was an actor. And so they're like, they were really supportive about it. <laughs> That's awesome. And I would imagine, and this is a very broad stereotype about LA, like that's got to be so many people's dreams and goals, right? To get out there and do something in the entertainment industry. And I, th I would hope people would be very kind of understanding of something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Even one of our company executives, he actually takes off. He will book out a month because he has like an inkling that he's going to book something um, he's an actor too. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that at least like one month out of the year, I'm not doing my marketing job and I'm going to be working on a TV show. And I was like, that is so ballsy, but like inspirational at the same time. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, oh, I would love to have that confidence. Holy, I, uh, maybe we should have that confidence, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that was just something that. I learned during COVID because when everything went virtual, um, I, I don't know if I like want to admit this, but I would actually be working online and taking acting classes at the same time. And I would just kind of like shake my mouse to make it look like I was online at work while I was on zoom in my acting classes. 
I don't think you're alone. Maybe not like the the identical to like acting classes part, but the shaking of the mouse. I have heard that from so many of my friends. I saw so many, so many cheeky videos of people just kind of like put it oh, on the, like they would attach their mouses to their Roomba and the Roomba would drag the mouse on the floor. <laughs> and I love it. Just- just as long as, like, on Teams or whatever system you use, as long as your icon is green, it's okay. It makes it look like you're working. That is so funny. It's funny because how much energy do people put in to avoid work when if they could just put it into work, it would just be, like, awesome. But, like, who wants to do work? I know. And, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I am a really hard worker and I loved, like, I loved my job and, like, would work really hard. But there are there are lulls, like just in every industry, it's like you have a busy period and then you'll have a lull and you're just kind of sitting there. And I'm like, well, I have to look like I'm online because it would look bad if I'm not available to my coworkers. But there's really nothing for me to do today. <laughs> so and I don't want to waste that time. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of that, tell me your story. How did you get into acting? Sure. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a long story. (laughs) So I, um, I have always wanted to be an actor. Like since I was a little girl, um, I just had this obsession with movies and growing up, we always had our Friday night movie night. And just as I continued to grow up, that dream of being on screen and going to a movie theater and seeing my face and living out those stories and never went away. So I went to school at Florida State and I did a study abroad program where I went to London for three months and I got to study theater. Um, And so I got, uh, I started with a beginning acting class and then I dove deep into kind of theater theory and um, writing. And so through that, I the bug just really kicked in. And But I had pressure from my parents to get a real degree. So I thought of what is the closest thing to writing and storytelling and what is going to help me stay close to like being in production as well. And I was like, oh, marketing, great. I get to control <laughs> I get to control the story that's being told for companies. And so I got my degree and um, uh, let's see, this is hard. I had a huge life event happen also right before I graduated. Um, My dad passed away and it was a big moment in my life where Mm -hmm. I learned that life can be taken away from you really fast. And so it was the moment where I'm like, are you going to be an actor? Or are you not going to be an actor? And so I actually gave up a full-time job in LA right out of college to come up to Toronto and pursue an acting career. Wow. <laughs> and since then, um, I have just been hustling. I, I take classes. Uh, I take classes every round auditioning and just also a a lot of writing that's that's actually one of my big creative outlets for acting is writing myself into my own stories Mm, which I think is really I say key from a strategic standpoint but also 
key from an inspiration standpoint, I would think, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, the stories we tell for sure. Uh, yeah. Why Toronto? Why did you pick Toronto? <laughs> it's so corny. But I grew up watching Degrassi, and I always wanted to be on Degrassi. I love my, that. My my dad is from Toronto. Cool. And he would he knew where the studios were and where like the Degrassi set was, and he would all we would always drive past it, and we would see the soundstage, and we would see the the high school set up and like the little town they had set up behind there. And so when my first thought of was like, I, I don't want to go to LA by myself because that's like really scary and it's really expensive. And I was like, I am actually very familiar with Toronto. I grew up coming up here, spending summers, Christmases, all of my family is up here. And so I was like, let's do Toronto because I know Toronto as Hollywood North specifically. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so funny yeah. because you hear you hear the flip opposite all the time, right? Like people from up here being like, "Go, I gotta get to LA." And I mean, obviously, you're still, you know, in that you're kind of to and from LA and Toronto and stuff like that. But I, I love that. I'm so good job, Toronto. <laughs> good, good job, Toronto, and good job, Degrassi. Like, yes, <laughs> it's so weird. Like in high school. Uh, I went to high school in the Midwest, and Degrassi was huge. <laughs> it really? Was, yes, it was bizarre. Like, um, it would show on Teen Nick, so Nickelodeon, like their teen channel, and everyone that I went to high school with, they had it like marked on their calendar of like when the new Degrassi is coming out, which episode is going to be airing, and everything like that. And it was a hot topic at school the next day after the new episodes would show. And it was crazy. And I remember being also the new kid at school and they were talking about Degrassi. And I knew that from my, my dad used to, my dad used to watch it and he would talk about it. And, um, and I walked in the first day and I was like, they were talking about it. And I was like, Oh, you know, I actually go to Toronto a lot. And they're like, have you have you seen Degrassi? Have you been there? Like, do you, is it a real school? <laughs> I was like, well, it's 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 a TV show. It's not, there is a Degrassi Street in Toronto, but it's it's not tied to the show at all. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this because I think you and I might be the same vintage. I also love Degrassi, um, but do you, this is. From- there was like the beginning of the internet and Degrassi had like a, had like a, a website where you could yes. like pretend chat with the characters. I yes. was obsessed. Oh man. Yes, I totally yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, it's really them. I'm really talking to them. No, which is funny because and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, the blonde guy. Uh, it was like Scooter or something like that. He was the drummer. Spin- Spinner. Spinner. That's Spinner. It, yeah. So I don't know if you know, he's like an Uber driver in Toronto now. You can like yes. go and like be in his Uber. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's us elder millennials are going to be like, ah, <laughs> Spinner. <laughs> I know. I'm actually pseudo living out. Well, Pseudo living out my like sixteen year old dream, but right now in my I am taking classes at Armstrong, and mm. my teacher was uh, is a Degrassi alum. 
And it. so when I when she popped up on the screen and I was like, I know you. Oh my god, this is awesome. Like teach me your ways so I can be a Degrassi. I want to be an alum too. <laughs> oh my god. When you came up to Toronto, how did you how did you start? I know you said you were taking classes and stuff like that, but like how did you build as somebody who you know, again, I feel like I, t- I talk to so many actors from Toronto and we're all just like, yeah, yeah, we all know what to do. But for somebody who who is kind of newish to Toronto or newish to the area, how did you get started? How did you build the momentum? So I was dating a guy who was working in the film industry. So I had a little bit of knowledge. And the first step, he told me, he was like, just join a background agency. He's mm-hmm. like, just go see what it's like to be on set. And so I started doing extra work and kind of getting to watch working actors. And, like, specifically, I loved working on Toronto shows because mm. you actually – so I I feel very inspired by Toronto actors because they're all very humble. And I feel like they're all very friendly and approachable. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I was working on Good Witch and um, – another Degrassi alum was working on it and he was very nice. And we were talking about, he asked me where I was from and I said, Oh, I'm from the States and I'm new to Toronto. And he's like, Oh, um, do you want to be an actor? And I was like, yeah, I want to be an actor. And the first thing he said, he's like, you need to start taking classes. And he pointed me to LB acting studio and he's like, go and check it out. Go audit a class and see how you like it. Um, and so I went and audited a class with Lewis and just kind of fell in love with it right away and joined their beginner class literally three weeks later. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. I think, you know what, so many of us have gotten similar pieces of advice, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with both LB and Armstrong and being like, these are the places you need to go, go take a class. And it's incredible how many people I chat with and I'm the same started doing background. Right. And I think there was a bit of a, I don't know if a stigma is the right word. That's a dramatic sounding word, but like saying, oh, like, you know, it's just extra work. It's not real, whatever. But how else are you supposed to learn what a set is like if we didn't come from film school? Like, how yeah. else? You got to go, you got to figure out somehow. I think it's showing huge initiative. Yeah. It is. And it's also, you get to watch the professionals do their thing live and to learn how to behave on set too. Because like you said, without going to film school and act, and honestly, I have actually known a lot of people who went to university for acting and never had on set experience and behavior, I think goes a long way and knowing how a film set works Because, I mean, I'm the type of person that never wants to be in the way. (laughs) So learning, I think learning the lingo, learning where the shot is being held, learning how to take direction, you learn that specifically by being on set. And Mm -hmm. I would never take the time that I spent doing extra work for granted because I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And, And honestly... Like I said, you watch the professionals do their thing right there. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to learn than by their example. Yeah, it's so true. And I think 
I really learned, obviously, from watching the pros do it, but also the other people on set, like you were saying, right? Like, what are the other people's jobs? But also, I remember I was on a set. Oh, it was, I was like, I'm trying to, what movie was it? Duh, the big one. It was Nightmare Alley that they were filming up here with Guillermo del Toro. And uh, there was a day for the entire day I wasn't being used. And I, like, managed to, like, again, trying to not be in the way, like, just be off to the side, but able to see the monitor and, like, what they were filming. And that was just fascinating because about what is actually on camera like how in the world are you supposed to learn that without looking at it it was just fascinating yeah yeah for sure and also watching the relationship each of those actors has with the Mm. director i think Mm. it's interesting to watch the director and to see what he sees and then he or she and then see how they implement it in the scene by working with their actor yeah. Yeah. Um, have you had any really interesting or really memorable times on set where you got to see that dynamic play out? I'm trying to think. It's been it's been like four years since I've done background, so it's been a while. Um I would say actually, yeah, I think it's like another OG Toronto show, Shadow Hunters. Like that one. Was, oh yeah. It ran so long here. Uh, that was, like, one of my first background gigs, um, and I loved the way that the director interacted with the lead characters on that, so we actually had a huge scene. It was, like, a really, really big day. I think there were, like, 300 people on set, and I was lucky enough to, like, kept, like I kept getting pulled in to interact with the main cast, and... Um, and then the director watching how he navigated uh, all of these people and being able to do an effective job of t- like communicating to the actor and making sure that the actor is you know able to focus and getting the right emotion and depicting the right story amongst all of this chaos that is going on was amazing to watch. It was definitely talented because that room, the room we were in, it was tiny. It was super loud. It was, like, very claustrophobic, too. And for somebody to actually sit and be able to do their job um, in a very professional manner uh, and stay like that for, like, I mean, we're filming for, like, 10 hours. And he kept it. He kept it going. And I was like, that is, that's awesome. And I actually watched, I watched that episode and I watched it back and I was like, that looks so cool. Like, amongst all of that, like, this shot looks beautiful. Like, this scene, it looks awesome. Yeah. It's always neat to see the final product and how different it is and how different you, how different, like, you kind of imagine what it's going to look, look like in your mind when you're on set and then you watch it. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you split your time between Toronto and LA. Do you notice, what do you notice are similar about the two cities and what are different about the two cities? I would say from, so I take classes in both cities. Toronto is very on camera driven. So almost every class that I've taken in LA, it's all based on stage, which I find really interesting Because since L.A. is very much Hollywood and, you know, filming movies and all of the big things are filmed in L.A. and stuff. And I'm like, that's 
that's very strange to see that actors are trained on stage when they're predominantly going out for stuff that's on camera. Huh. Yeah. And versus in Toronto, all of my training here has been on camera, other than like if I take an improv class at Second City. But everything else is strictly on camera. And um, yeah. And it translates very differently, I find, too. Yeah. And uh, I remember. Even, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I, I, I just remember Lewis talking about that once about, and this is when in my beginner, beginner class, and there were a couple other people who had come from theater backgrounds. And I'm going to put myself in that category because I had no other acting background except for like, you know, school plays. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm like, also theater. So. Theater, right? Where everything is so big and needs to be so projected. Yes. And it, it's not so much about here. <laughs> he was always just like, it's too big. It's too big. And then even when you think you're being too small, you're, he's like, too big, too big, right? Like just, Everything's so subtle. It's so hard. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, man. Yeah, I had to like get untrained from that because like mine is like because I have a background in dance too so it's a lot Mm. it's a lot of body movement and expressing (laughs) and like moving your hands and stuff like that and I remember I because I started with Daniel and Daniel is like can you just sit can you just (laughs) sit and not move like just he's like this your face is the only thing that should really be moving And then if you need to, like, if you need to move your hands, move them below yourself. You don't need to use your body to express all of that emotion. And I was like that. And I would watch, I would watch my tapes back. And like when I first started, oh my God, it was so funny. My, my tapes were comical. I couldn't, I couldn't watch them, but I, I did so I could learn. And I, it went from, it progressively went from like, (laughs) wacky wavy hands to being able to sit and talk with my eyes and and being able to have a conversation with somebody (laughs) how did you find this is a loaded question how did you find you how did you learn that what has been effective for you for that transition I love connecting with my reader so Mm. um I like making the scene about the other person in the scene. And so it's kind of like, uh, and I am actually finding this to be a challenge over Zoom. Hence why I'm like taking all these Zoom classes now. But when I would be in studio with somebody for like an audition or for classes, I loved just locking in with the reader and having a moment with them. Like it was real. And it was always just, fun to share that space with somebody else and it was it'd be fun if they would get into it too but most of the time I loved it when I had a dry reader too because if it was a really emotional scene and they're not giving me anything I would just get even more mad and I'd be like dropping the f-bomb guy I'm gonna yell at you even louder because you're not giving me anything please like yeah so how do you do that on zoom and in your self tapes that is a so self tapes I find it easier so I Mm. have like a little tiny like light that I clip to my laptop when I'm taping and so for some reason I can connect with that little inanimate 
object more than I can with my reader over Zooms for auditions. I love that. So I'm like, whenever I get a self-tape, I'm like, thank thank God, because so far over Zoom now, like, because I'm, I'm learning to try to connect with, you know, the screen and connect with the person on the screen. But I find... I can see them reading the script more than I could when we were live. Mm. So it's like, it feels like I'm not talking to anybody when, cause it's kind of, it's kind of difficult when it's like, you're, I'm locking in, I'm trying to be there with you. And then your person is like this the entire <laughs> time. I'm like, yeah. Oh great. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a script. Cool. <laughs> like I'm looking at a piece of paper. <laughs> It's just barrier after barrier after barrier, right? It's not just the screen. It's the screen. It's the script. It's the camera. It's the, yeah. And then maybe soon, someday you'll get to the person if you keep digging. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now I'm like, I'm starting to practice that now though, where it's like, cause it's in some ways it's the same and it's different cause it is, it is just talking to a reader and they're not, you know, they're not there to be an actor, but now it's like I love when I get an emotional scene and they're like reading it really dry and I'm like I'm gonna yell at you so hard because you're not giving me anything so it's just gonna fuel it even more (laughs) do you find I mean do you find you've brought anything in from your marketing career into your acting career now I I think so yeah yeah um just I feel like my marketing career tamed me a lot because mm. when I first when I first started out as an actor, I was very much into like living as a bohemian artist, and I felt very erratic <laughs> and untamed. I guess I just was kind of wild, um, and I actually saw this in my work too, where I wasn't, I was not a consistent actor and I wasn't doing the prep work at all. Uh, Cause I have this tendency to like my, my, with my background being in theater, I've done a ton of improv. And so I would go in and just try to kind of, I'm like, okay, I have the lines memorized and I'm going to try to improv my way through the scene, um, which sometimes translated incredible and sometimes was just in the toilet I'm like what was what was that like what were you even trying to accomplish and then so when I when I finally decided to get a little bit of structure in my life um my marketing career has definitely taught me that preparation is key and you can't you cannot improv your whole life you can't just wing it And so I find now that I've, like, started auditioning again and self-tapes and classes and I approach my prep, um, I take it a lot more seriously. And I actually Mm -hmm. will sit down and make the time to, like, do the text analysis, rehearse it, uh, think about different ways how I want to present it and not... And it's, it's weird because I've been taught so many different methods where it's like, oh, no, you're supposed to leave, you know, be in the moment for your scene and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but now I find it a little bit richer if I prep it and then I leave it all and then I'm in the moment. But I still have that thought in my head of 
I did it this way. I tried it this way. And I have a direction, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Because in marketing, if you don't have a direction and you don't have a goal at the end, your product is not going to do well. And specifically for me, I was in, I was in research. And so I was managing all of these market research studies. And so if you do not have a plan and you do not prep the work beforehand, your project could get taken away, or you could be presenting wrong data to your client and taking them down a path of failure. Mm. And so I I had to learn that. (laughs) I had to learn that lesson. Yeah. I love the idea of it, of like taming ourselves. I think that's a really interesting concept, right? And I feel like having a job prior was a big taming thing for me as well too. Cuz I think about like the <laughs> hyperactive chihuahua I was in high school. There, There is no way I could have been successful. I don't know. I mean, I, whatever. I'm going to say it. There's no way I could have been successful, I think, as an actor when I was in my late teens and early 20s and even like 30s. Just because I knew who I was back then. I was kind of an idiot. And I agree with you, right? The whole idea of a starving artist and a bohemian and stuff. I don't think yes. I could have – I couldn't have brought – a good person forward and I didn't have the experiences to bring forward. I would think I did, but there's no way I did. <laughs> I know. I and I think I think back to like when I first got to Toronto and didn't have any structure in my life at all. I was also just the queen of odd jobs. So I had like no structure at all. Like I was running from job to job to job to audition to class to everything. And there was nothing that was the same every day. And so I I think I lost um I lost myself in it. And I actually really lost direction. Like I didn't know I was like, I know what I wanna do. I wanna work as an actor, but having the structure and having kind of a roadmap ahead of you of like, how are you going to get there? Is like, it's a big deal. Because before that, I was just winging it. I was just taking whatever came my way. And I had no control over my life, which netted out at me having to get a real job. (laughs) And having to grow up a little bit. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting. Do you find now that you've had these experiences, like incredible, I say incredible good, incredible bad life experiences. Do you find now, like, that you can just pull from that time to, like, to be, like, do you find you have characters you can pull from now? I Oh, yeah. yeah. Characters and also just, I, I hate this term because I, I hate people being a brand. But it's very true. Like I have, I've figured out who I want to be in this industry and what mm. my my quote unquote brand would be. Right. So yeah. being able to to pull from that, yeah. So like I think about, <laughs> I auditioned for Suits a couple of times, like way back in the day, and I would have not been right for that show at all because I had no professionalism at all. And I had no way to present myself to pull for a character who is a lawyer who can say these lawyerish terms very confidently and go get what she wanted. 
And now I feel like I can sit down and get those like more professional roles, get those scripts where it's like kind of like an office script or um, being more like in a corporate setting. And I can, I can definitely take from that to, to, to bring, to bring more confidence, I guess, office confidence. Yeah, for sure. Has there been anything that surprised you about the industry, either Toronto or LA or just in general? I can't really say. I don't know. Um, I think just being such a newbie, because I mean, I I am literally the first one in my family, other than to say it, I'm gonna plug under the plug. <laughs> my second cousin is Cheryl Ladd from uh, um, from Charlie's Angels. In yeah, the oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no big um, deal. Other than other than other than that, I don't really have anybody who's ever embarked on this journey to like live as an artist like both my parents worked in business my dad was an accountant and my mom uh worked in marketing too and then the rest of my family like engineers and and stuff and so (laughs) I think everything I wouldn't say it's surprising but I can say that everything has been new for me (laughs) yeah did you find coming from such a logical brained family, like, do they, like, I guess, where did, like, where did the creative creativity that you have come from? My family is secretively creative. Love it's it. like they have, they have these amazing gifts and then they go out of their way to hide them. So mm. my mom is a fantastic um, artist, like a sketcher. She draws and she's amazing. Um, and then my dad was a very talented musician. He played clarinet. He played guitar. Um, he sang. And the only thing we hear of my sister and I growing up, we would just hear stories about it. And he would get, like, really embarrassed. And my sister is also – she's actually studying to be a doctor, but she's also a very talented artist. She started out in art history and wanted to be an artist and wanted to be a curator. Hmm. And um, it's it's always been there, just it's never been talked about in my family. Hmm. And no one's hmm. ever dared to pursue it outwardly. Yeah. Well, I think that definitely was that, and I know my, my dad would smack me on my hand to talk about this, but that generation, I think, was very much like you get up and you go to work, you work the nine to five and you don't complain and you come home. And yes. And they Very lived through so. some pretty tough times in the financial world and the world in general. And yeah, and it, yeah, it, I love that's that's a beautiful sentiment. Sentiment like they're like you know sneaky, sneaky creatives sneaky. that keep them hidden. I think <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in that generation, right? The like classic boomer generation who had to work their butts off and didn't have the chance or just didn't didn't feel comfortable in society showing the arts out. Yeah, it's true. Do you have any crazy, fun, or memorable on-set stories? Mm. I'd say, like, maybe memorable, but I don't know if it's, like, a good memorable. 
So I, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I was a handmaid on The Handmaid's Tale for three mm-hmm. seasons. Wow, cool. And yeah, from the beginning, like it was, <gasps> and I think one of the craziest days I had with them, we were filming a funeral scene. It was like a mass funeral scene. Um, and we had to do this crazy ritual and we did it for 18 hours straight. It was, we had all the handmaids line up in front of all of these caskets in a circle and it was snowing like crazy. It was, it was freezing cold and we had to just keep on walking around in a circle for for 18 hours. But oh Elizabeth Moss, who is a freaking saint, she is awesome. She was like so attentive to all the people on set and like asking them if they're doing okay, are they staying warm? Um, and she was, I think she was also kind of co-directing that episode mm. too. Um, and so seeing her work as Alfred in the show and then turn her hat and have to be the, the director like five minutes later God. was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is, yeah. Handmaid's Tale, I think, and you were talking about like classic Toronto shows. This will yes. become one for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Three whole seasons. That's so cool. What an experience. It was a long time. It was, yeah. yeah and like getting to... Being able to put on the red cloak and everything like that was, it felt so heavy and, um, like just even just emotionally, but I wanted to, I wanted to, when I first got to Toronto and I heard that the Handmaid's Tale was filming up here, that was like, I I was trying so hard to get on that show. And when I finally got brought on and they were like, you know, if you're a handmaid, like you're going to be asked like for every episode now. And I mean, I met one of my best friends working on that show because she was all, she started from day one and had, and I'm pretty sure she still works on it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. There's some, there's something about shows that have like costumes and it's not just like iconic ones like The Handmaids, but like there's just something about because as a background, as you know, a lot of times they ask you to bring your own clothes, uh, yes. which is fine and say, fine, whatever. But when you have a costume you have to put on, it's just like, yeah. huh, it's just the best feeling. It is. So cool. It brings you into character right away. Yeah. It's like you you own that new, like, persona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you are looking forward to this year coming up? Well, I got a new marketing job. <laughs> I Ooh. am looking forward to that. Um, but I've also had an insanely busy pilot season. Awesome. So I, I am really hoping for something to stick. And then um, I've been working with a couple of people to help me out on like finding new agents and doing new agent workshops. And I'm I'm really excited for that. Um, honestly, since so when COVID hit, I took a break from acting because I didn't. Uh, my acting studio in LA shut down 
Um, I obviously was not in Toronto and I didn't know what was going to happen with Zoom classes and everything. And so I just stopped acting for a year. Um, and it was a really scary time because when anybody asks me like what I do, I so proudly say I'm an actor. That's what I do. Even when I have a real job. (laughs) And, And so it was so ingrained in my identity to not be able to act for, it was like a year and a half. And then I started taking Zoom classes again. Um, It was terrifying because I was like, I really felt like I had lost a part of myself. And so now with like everything starting to open back up again, and you can actually really see it like LA right now, pilot season has been nuts. There are casting breakdowns like galore, like pages and pages and pages. And honestly, similar to similar with Toronto too, as I've been up here for a month now and I've been looking at the breakdowns trying to work up here too. And I mean, last week for me, it was, it was crazy. I was in and out of the self tape studio like every day. Nice. Yeah. Can, can you just briefly talk about, or not so briefly pilot season? Because yeah. we don't we don't really have one in Toronto. Like we don't. Compared yeah. to the chaos of pilot season that I hear rumors about in LA. Tell me about that. It is wild. <laughs> so it is pretty much when you a lot of independent productions will spend like the last year or so writing up just plans for these shows. And so it is like finding somebody who's filming a pilot and then they're going to pitch it to the networks. Mm. And there are so many independent projects that are wanting to do this. And it provides so much work in the winter time. It's usually from like January, February and like late or like into late March. And it's when all of these shows are trying to find new faces and they're trying to bring in new actors, tell new stories and get them on the networks. And so it is, it's a wild time. It's kind of like the wild west of the film industry because it feels like during those three months, anything could happen. (laughs) Like you could, you could book something and you're like, okay, it's a pilot. Great. And then like a couple months later, you get a call and you're like, it got picked up. And now you have work for the next year and a half. And it's, (laughs) it's wild. I've only I've worked on I've I've worked on one pilot and I was not an actor I was like the, I was the surgical hand double and uh, it was a medical show that got picked up here in Toronto and this was like the first time I'd ever worked on a pilot and I just remember everyone being so excited and just like really like free and happy because there wasn't any pressure and then when it got picked up and I started working like and they had their full like eighteen season eighteen, 18 episode that they booked everyone was like. It was like different humans. They were just like, oh, business, all business, all business. I was like, oh, okay, right. Okay, yeah, we're in a show. This is work time now. Yeah, fascinating. I I would prefer to get picked up to book a pilot than book a regular on Mm. on another show. Because when you get to start from the beginning, because that is the original team. You were working with the original writer, the original director the writer had intended to work with. And you get to see the show as it had been intended from the original source. And Mm. then you also have the creative flexibility to create your character and actually 
help develop your character with the writer. Mm. And so you get to be who you want to be in that show, which is so much fun. Oh, I bet. And so, like, refreshing. Yes. Do you have any final words of advice for anyone who's interested in kind of switching into a different, switching from their career into acting or anything creative? I would say kind of chase after everything. If you want to do it, go and do it and have no hesitations about it because life is so short. And I mean, I learned that firsthand and it's just such a shame to sit idle and watch other people do what you want to do and Mm -hmm. not actually put the work and the effort into chasing down your dream. Because I, I truly believe it is attainable. I mean, in any capacity, <laughs> chasing down your dreams is attainable. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Megan, for being my guest this week. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, you know, making me feel like I'm not completely insane about my love of Degrassi growing up. I appreciate a fellow Degrassian. I don't know what Degrassi fans are. There must be a fandom name. (laughs) And thank you for continuing to post really inspirational outdoorsy photos on your Instagram. You're making me want to get outside, even though it's minus whatever outside and pouring with rain slash hail here where I am in Northern Ontario. (laughs) I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!